This morning, God's Word comes to us from Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. While you are looking for that in your Bibles, perhaps just a brief uh, advertisement about our service tonight, uh, we are going to begin a new series of sermons uh, this evening focusing on the life of God's prophet Elijah. Um, I've been excited working on this series. I encourage you uh, to return to worship tonight. We can look together at God's word and at his prophet. This morning, we turn to Romans chapter 6, and we'll be reading the first 14 verses of this chapter. Romans 6, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in, his, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnals to page 879 in the back section. Page 879, this is Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 17. That begins at the bottom of the first column on page 879. This morning I'll read for you a question and answer 45. Lord's Day 17, question 45. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? The answer, first, by his resurrection, he has overcome death, so that he might make us share in the righteousness he obtained for us by his death. Second, by his power, we too are already raised to a new life. And third, Christ's resurrection 
is a sure pledge to us of our blessed resurrection. Well, perhaps with the Easter songs we have sung this morning, uh, you think I might be confused about what season it is. I know that Christmas is coming. I know that Advent is coming. In fact, we'll begin next week, Sunday morning, our Advent series. But we are up to uh, Lord's Day 17 in the Heidelberg Catechism, which deals with the blessings of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have been looking at his life, and we have been talking about his humiliation, how he came down to earth, how he left the glories of heaven, how he would suffer throughout his life, but especially at the end, how he would go all the way to the cross and suffer the torments of hell. But that is not the end of the story. God would raise him from the dead. We have not a dead Savior, we have a living Savior. He was crucified and raised once again. And that, that celebration of Christ's resurrection is the highlight, one of the highlights of the Christian year, and one of the reasons we worship today on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, the Day of Resurrection. That event was certainly significant in the life of Christ, as he was brought back to life, as he would receive vindication from his Father for the work he came to do. But it is also significant in our lives. Our catechism, as is so characteristic, doesn't simply ask, what do you understand by Christ's resurrection, but how does Christ's resurrection benefit you? That's always the burden of the catechism. How does this benefit you? What comfort do you receive from this? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Three benefits laid out for us in the Heidelberg Catechism because Christ has risen from the dead. The Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 6, talks about these same glorious truths, the significance for the believer of Christ's death and of his resurrection. Verse 5 says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul reminds us there is a link between Christ and between the believer. The things that happen to him have effect on us. He says in verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Christ has overcome death. And that's just to echo our catechism. What's the benefit of Christ's resurrection? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death. Death, the final enemy. Christ has overcome death. Death, that which is faced by everyone who has ever lived. Throughout history, everyone who has ever lived has died. Now, I suppose there were a couple exceptions. We think about the story of Enoch. Remember children Enoch who walked with God and then one day he just walked off with God and spent his eternity with him. We think about the prophet Elijah who did not see death. But, but these men 
escaped death. They did not overcome death. Jesus Christ overcame death. It has no power over him. It has no mastery over him. We sing, death in vain forbids him rise. The grave could not hold him, for he has dominion. And we are linked with him. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Sin and death had dominion over us, but Christ overcame, and we with him. We are no longer under the dominion of sin. We have been set free. He went to the grave, and our sins went there with him. He arose to new life, and we as well. Our sins left in the grave and resurrected to a new life in Jesus Christ. We have have this glorious gift from God regarding our past sins. We are no longer going to be under the condemnation of sin. We have been forgiven because we are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Our confession says, with regard to the benefit, not only has, uh, by the resurrection has he overcome death, so that he might make us share in the righteousness he obtained for us by his death. We share in Christ's righteousness. Now, kids, you know what sharing is about. Your parents remind you. When you're playing with your toys, be sure to share with your brother or your sister. Maybe mom gives you a cookie and says, please share with your brother or sister. We share with each other. When, our, when we had our first daughter, um, Nicole, of course, she was our only child, so she got all the toys. All the toys were for Nicole. And then uh, we had Josh. Now suddenly, Nicole has to share with Josh. It's really a one-way sharing. That's the sharing Christ does with us. It's not as if Christ has some righteousness and we have some righteousness and we share with each other. No, he makes us share in his righteousness. He shares that perfection with us. He has all that we need and he willingly, graciously gives those things to us, all of those benefits. We have nothing to offer. We're like that second child who comes with nothing in their hands, and the first child is to share with them a one-way sharing to us from Jesus Christ. And the sharing is not toys or cookies. He shares with us his righteousness. Our sins have been forgiven, and we are now seen as if we had never sinned, as if we'd never been a sinner. We are seen as if we are as completely righteous as Christ was. This is the glorious blessing regarding our past sins, our sins forgiven, and we now regarded as righteous in the sight of God. All because of the resurrection, the significance of the resurrection in our lives. Because of what God has done regarding our past, our sins forgiven, taken away, we're now called in the present to live for God. That's the second part of our question and answer. Second, by his power, we too are already 
raised to a new life. Our new life is not something that's going to happen only in the future. We are already raised to a new life, called to live in a particular way. Look at verse 10, where Paul says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are to consider ourselves as dead to our sin. Dead to those old past ways. Consider ourselves that way because we are dead to our sin. We, that has gone in the ground with Christ. We have a new life now. And we're called to live that new life now. We have been set free. Sin is not our master. Yet so often, rather than seeing ourselves, considering ourselves dead to sin, we want to consider ourselves still alive in our sin. We wallow in our sin. We revel in our sin. Rather than recognizing the significance of Christ's resurrection, we have been raised now to a new life. Sin is not our master. We struggle against sin. We used to struggle to see how much sin we could do. Now we war against sin. It's not our master anymore. We've been set free. And so Paul says, consider yourselves, consider yourselves, think of yourselves this way, as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We're to consider ourselves dead to sin because we are dead to sin. There There was a time in our country's history when slavery was legal. And can you imagine going to a man who uh, had been raised as a slave, who was serving as a slave, and saying to that man, you know, really, you shouldn't consider yourself a slave anymore. You should consider yourself free. He'd say, what do you mean? I'm a slave. I am a slave. I can't consider myself free. I am a slave. Then there was a time in our country's history when the slaves were set free. Now imagine going to that same man who you see after he's been freed, but he's still acting like a slave. He still looks like he's a slave. And you go to that man and you say, consider yourself free. Don't don't act like a slave anymore because you're not a slave anymore. We have been set free from our sins. No longer enslaved to our sins. Don't act like it. Don't act like we are enslaved to sin anymore. We have been freed by the power of God through Jesus Christ who dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. Consider yourselves dead to sin because you are dead to sin. You've been set free by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The significance of the resurrection now, right now, already, we are raised to a new life, which is why Paul begins chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? That's a question we should ask ourselves every day. How are we who have died to sin because Christ has died and raised to new life, how are we who've died to sin still able to live in it. God calls us now to holy living today. Holy living, saying no to those ways of sin and saying saying yes 
to the things of God. Look at verse 12. Let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We have been brought from death to life. Our sins have been forgiven. Christ's righteousness shared with us. So Paul says, present yourself not to your sin again. Present yourself to God. Live not for the gratification of your own desires, but live for God's glory. The, 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 the significance of the resurrection affects what we do every day of our life. It affects us as we gather together for worship. We gather for the glory of God, that He might be praised, that He might be exalted for the great God that He is. The resurrection affects how we get along in our homes. It affects how, how, how husbands treat their wives and wives treat their husbands, how parents treat their children in a righteous way, in a godly way. Because right now we share in Christ and that new life. It affects our education, it affects our work, it affects our recreation. Everything we do right now affected because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then finally, our confession says, third, Christ's resurrection is a sure pledge to us of our blessed resurrection. Christ's resurrection is a sure pledge, it's a guarantee to us of our own resurrection. We know that we have the reality of death still in this life. We still stand at the graveside. We still mourn those who have gone to be with the Lord. But as I've said before, even death for the believer now is changed in its meaning because of the resurrection. Death puts an end to our sinning. Death is our entrance into an eternal life, a life with God forever. We will be resurrected on the final day bodily to be with Him. And sometimes we say, how is that possible? We, 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 we lay our loved ones in the ground and we say, how is it possible that the resurrection of the body is a reality? We look to Jesus Christ. He went ahead of us. He was placed in the tomb and he came out bodily. This gives us a great assurance and a great hope for the future. When we stand at the, at the graveside of a loved one, this one too will be raised bodily to be with the Lord on the last day. It gives us hope when we, when we think of others. It gives us hope for ourselves. Will God, will God really take me to be with Him on that final day? Jesus Christ was raised bodily from the dead. The significance of the resurrection. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And we look to Him and we know God will be faithful. We are linked with Him. And as he was raised from the dead, we too will be raised on that last day bodily to be with him.
the glorious blessings, the significance of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A significance, but only for those who are linked to Him. Only for those who are found in Him. Only for those who've recognized their need of this resurrected Savior. Have you recognized that need? Can you say with confidence, I know I am linked with Christ in His death and resurrection, for I recognize my sin and I flee to Christ as my only hope, the only source of comfort now or in the life to come. God calls you this morning to embrace Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, to know the assurance of sins in the past forgiven, being set free from that bondage. To know the call right now to godly living, living in a way that's pleasing to Him. And to know the hope, the hope and the comfort that after this life, because of the resurrection, we too will be taken to be with our God forever. Oh, the glorious blessings God has given to us because our Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, how we praise you for the glorious work of salvation, that you would not withhold your own Son, but you would send him to earth. You would send him here to die a cruel death, but raise him again on that third day. Oh, we thank you for the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we are linked with him. Lord God, when our sins trouble us, when we are overwhelmed by them, you remind us Jesus Christ has freed us from that sin. When we are wondering how we, live, how we are to live now in this life, we know that we are linked with Christ and his new life must now be our new life. Lord God, we thank you that we can look forward with great hope and comfort. As we stand by the graveside of loved ones, as we know we will one day face our maker, that because of Jesus Christ, being united with him, we have every hope and every comfort. Thank you, O God, for this glorious truth and this wonderful blessing. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake, amen. We turn to number 356 in the Trinity Psalter. Number 356. And take note of verse 1. This text is uh, the more historic original text. Uh, Come ye faithful, raise the strain of triumphant gladness. God hath brought his Israel into joy from sadness. Loosed from Pharaoh's bitter yoke, Jacob's sons and daughters, that's us kids, Jacob's sons and daughters, led them with unmoistened foot through the Red Sea waters. We're going to sing verses 1 and 2 and 5. Verses 1 and 2 and 5 of 356. Let's stand together as we sing.
following the benediction, we will sing number 224, just verses 1 and 3, and then you may be seated for our dismissal. Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.